Good morning. The uh, message of today is basically part of the uh, representation of Advent, and today it's what we call joy. I mean, I could see some faces without joy right now, please. As our message for today is about joy, I would like to start with an illustration of of a five-year-old boy who was smiling at everyone in church, like in front of the church, all the time with a really good green on his face. The mother came and said and asked, my son, why are you smiling all the time? So, you know, he, he uh, kind of did a, a bit, a small pat at the back or, you know, where, where it is. And so the, the child started to become sad. And the mom said, that's better, son. Sometimes in church, we do the same thing. We come, we have a sad face. I mean, I understand we have some issues, we have challenges in life, but we are here to be meeting with God, with our Lord, who has paid price for our sins, and we should be joyful about that. I want to show you some pictures. We read this scripture earlier. and Some pictures of how do you want us to look like in today. As a church, do we want to look like this? Or do you want to look like this? As an individual, do we look, do want to look like this? Or do we choose to be looking like that? See, I had the same reaction from my daughter because she's the one who chose that picture. (laughs) What is joy? Uh, Webster is very clear, and it's synonymous with happy, glad, cheerful, And then in the the, the thesaurus relates to exaltation, rapture, satisfaction, I like that sound, and pleasure. Also, specifically, it's defined to be a very glad feeling, happiness, great pleasure, delight, and it also refers to the source or cause of Delight. Now, these definitions only define the expression of a wonderful emotion. They fail to consider the reasons of joy, the circumstances, uh oh, I failed again, in which it is expressed or its durability, endurance. In these areas, the Bible presents a much more complex virtue than these definitions indicate. Joy is not like happiness, which is based upon 
happenings or whether things are going well or not. No, joy remains even amidst the suffering. Joy is not happiness. Joy is an emotion that's acquired by the anticipation, acquisition, or even the expectations of something great or wonderful. It could be described as excitement, delight, sheer gladness, and can result from a great success of a very beautiful or wonderful experience like a wedding, a graduation. I guess some of the students here are looking forward for that, to finish school and say, goodbye school, welcome work. But honestly, when you start working, you want to go back to school. <laughs> but the definition of joy that the world holds is not nearly as amazing as biblical joy, but joy is also a gift. Now, some cultures like uh, in, the, in Rome and Greece during their time are notorious because their pleasure Seeking reach such levels that their festivities sometimes lasting a week or more. I think we have that same thing in the Philippines where in there, if there's a wedding, I mean, in, this is way back, uh, you, you know, the streets are closed and people, people are really happy about the wedding. They, you don't know the person even coming to your house. They'll just eat and say goodbye. That's how festivities, that, that's how joyful the wedding is. Of course, the seeking of happiness is not limited to such occasions, but they stand as notable examples of how some seek to fill their empty place inside. Others have sought happiness through entertainment for a certain performer they just love. I do the same thing. This past week, I picked up my daughter from her um, a volleyball game, and when she got into the car, um, you know, turning on the radio, and I was toying with the station, and then suddenly there's this group that she really likes, and started playing, which is amazing in a sense because this group is not played in North America, all, only in Asia, maybe except in U.S. now. So when she heard it, I saw, I mean, she, she was tired, she was, you know, played volleyball, they had a good game, but man, oh man, the joy that came up when she heard that, she got, I mean, I told her, here's the phone, she recorded it, and I, at least I, I got the message of, you're a cool dad, at least, thank you. <laughs> but I saw the joy in her face. And I was so happy too, because I saw that in her face. She's, she's a very hardworking daughter of mine in school, and she, she deserves that. Some seek it in athletic endeavors, hobbies, travel, dancing, fashion, home improvements, uh, wealth, status, alcohol, food, and drugs. These all fail except for a brief period of satisfaction and a sense of well-being. 
I know some women, and I don't know if my wife is listening now, but I know some women, if they're mad at their husband, they go pedicure, manicure, curl their hair, cut their hair, color their hair. I don't know what else. New dress, new shoes. And that's where they find their joy. But temporarily, right? They come back to their same home, having to face the same husband with the same face. Anyway, but that's temporary. King Solomon is a really good example of this in the scripture. He conducted a series of experiments in a quest to discover by practical experience and analysis how to get the most and the best out of life. His experiments, including some of these very areas we mentioned, as Solomon described the limitations of his search for meaning of life, he used words that are translated in English as mirth, laughter, and pleasure, all of which we actually associate with the word joy. Even more interesting that the word transla- uh, translated as pleasure in Ecclesiastes 2.1 is the Hebrew word simha, the, most, uh, the word most frequently translated as joy throughout the Old Testament. I would like to read what Solomon found out. Ecclesiastes 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is madness. And of mirth, what does it accomplish? I search in my heart how to gratify my my flesh with wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what I was good for the sons of men to do under the heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grave, of the grove, sorry. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers. Even at that time, it was present. To hire somebody to sing for you. The delights of the sons of men. The musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any of, of any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my, my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. 
Then I looked at all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. I mean, if, if Solomon tried everything, and I think we know the story of Solomon. Um, I don't want to go to their, his personal life about, you know, about having wives and concubines and all those things. But he had everything. And yet, at the end of the day, he's saying it was all vanity. In verse 20, 22, 23, uh, 25, Solomon writes a few more conclusions, saying, Therefore, I turned my heart and despaired of all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For what has man for all his labor and for all the striving of his heart with which had toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his works grievous. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment more than I? Yeah, he had everything. Solomon admits that his quest rewarded him with a certain amount of joy, but he still found it unsatisfactory. We might think that all his wealth, good health, and the discerning mind, he would have had joy in abundance. What he accomplished, however, did not leave him with an enduring sense of well-being because his search continued after this experiment ended. He continued on searching and searching and searching. He did not stop. He seems so frustrated that he says we would seize the joy as it comes along and be content with it. His ultimate conclusion is actually in verse 26 determines that God is basically his only joy. There is nothing else. Now, what are we pursuing ourselves? Are we pursuing the same thing as what Solomon has been pursuing or has pursued? Uh, you know the word joyride. I think especially the youngsters, this has been way back. You know, you get into the car, you drive, you go crazy, speed, come back, stop, you drink. I didn't do that, okay, just to clarify. But anyways, joy ride. Joy ride. Is it really joy? Once you hit a post, once you hit another car, once you kill somebody with this, is it still joy after that? Where does joy come from in the scripture? Paul mentions some, some of the fruits of the spirit like, here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind, depends on where you are with, the, with the, the version in the Bible, of the Bible. And that's, but there's, there's this particular word that stays the same. Joy and love and peace. Joy. Now, since love is a fruit, a product of God's Holy Spirit, right? 
Could its companion joy be produced in, in us differently? Like joy, I like, sorry, like love, joy is not a product of a natural mind, but the product of a supernatural Holy Spirit of God. It is a fruit. If it is not a product of a natural mind, then pursuing it apart from the guidance of the Holy Spirit will produce only very limited and pale imitations of what God experiences by nature and greatly desires to be in us. Again, I'll repeat that. If it is not a product of a natural mind, then pursuing it apart, you take away the guidance of the Holy Spirit when you look for joy, will produce only very limited and pale imitations, and it, it will end. You will, be nev- you will never be satisfied. That's what happened to Solomon. We cannot fake joy. We either have it or we don't have it. Paul writes to the church of the of, uh, at Thessalonica, "For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, indicating that the biblical joy is associated with God, the Holy Spirit, and the righteousness and peace and joy is in the Holy Spirit." And finds its source in God as even the disciples filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. David writes in Psalm 16. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. I forgot to ask whose name is Joy in, in, in this room right now. Nobody? Okay. So I'll, be re- I'll be repeating and repeating your name. So It is interesting to compare our joy with God's continual joy and simultaneously think of what destroys joy for us. As long as we are human, joy diminishes and eventually ends. We realize this even as we experience it. Each time, and it was not that long, I receive a new old car, I receive it with joy. My old car broke and everything, so I got another one, and it's really, for me, it's new, but it's 2006 or something like that. It's really old. But I received it with joy. The joy was gone, and the, the, and, and the, new, the new car, new old car, was again nothing more than a tool to convey me from one place to the other. That happens. Um, I remember one time when the children were, were young. You know, thank you for the dollar store. Because <laughs> I was advised that don't buy expensive toys. And it's true. Because when you buy expensive toys, your child or children will get it, look at it, be happy for 48 hours. The third day, it's on the side and they don't, either they play, they don't play, they leave it on the side and that's it. 48 hours. I tested my kids. It is true. (laughs) So I said, dollar store, you're it for me. 
You see, even with kids, the, 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 you know, the joy stops somewhere, somehow, because they want a new one. You know, when they see their friends having, let's say, um, what's that new control right now? My, my son has been bugging me about this control, and I said, okay, okay we'll see about that. It's, you know, it's, it's good to have, it's nice to have, but it's, it's not a must-have. We'll see. Short-lived joy. A Christian's joy can be just as short-lived as anyone's in the world if we are seeking it for itself as the world does. Okay, if we do the same way as the world does in seeking for joy, it will be short-lived. We will not be happy. Biblical joy is fruit, is a fruit, a byproduct, an additional blessing, and not the end in itself. It flows into and grows within the person whose life and energies are not focused merely on being joyful. The lives of those in the world that are so zealous chasing after it proves this point. If they are still chasing it, they must not have it. God's word also have this. God reminds us of the meaning of our songs of praises, you know, in, in case of our joy. You know, when our joy becomes merriment, merriment becomes amusement, amusement becomes partying, partying becomes wickedness. Therefore, our God-produced joy is lost. Again, if that joy becomes just a merriment, and that merriment becomes just an amusement, and that amusement becomes partying, and partying becomes wickedness, then joy is lost. We have to warn ourselves with this progression. Listen to me while you rejoice, God says. Stay completely clear of idolatry. And remember, I am the God who freed you from your bondage. Open your mouth and I will feed you. When we follow God's prescription, He will feed us so that we experience real joy and satisfaction. God removes the burdens that make true rejoicing a reality. He continues, I would feed you with the finest wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. He makes it plain that real joy lies in the quality of our relationship with Him. Do you agree? If we don't have that closeness, relationship can be distance or distant, could be with a, a gap. We need to stay close with our God to have complete joy. Biblical joy is inseparable 
from our relationship with God and springs from our knowledge and understanding of the purpose of life and the hope of living with God for eternity when there will be joy evermore. If God is actually present in our lives, the joy he experiences can begin in us. Joy is the sign that life has found its purpose, its reason for being. This too is a revelation of God. For no one can come to him and find the purpose of life unless he, God, by his spirit, calls him and reveals it. If you read the Bible, per se, and look at the disciples, they have joy. Peter wrote, and it says here, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not um, now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's First Peter 1.8. Even in our, in our trials, James is saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or vari- of various kinds. James 1, 2. This helps Jesus endure the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Question, do you find joy with other people surrounding you, whether now or at home or at work? Or do you always get the stress from other people? Paul is a good example of receiving joy from, from, how do you pronounce this, Philemon? Uh, Philemon? Yeah, Philemon, from which we see him writing. I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And I really pray and hope that us in this church would see in each and every one what was described here to be um, a comfort, Um, hearts of the saints have refreshed through you, through each and every one of us here, to find comfort and joy. Like when they see you, your face, wow, I feel joyful. Can that be possible? Yes. And in his remembrance of Timothy by writing, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. It doesn't mean that if somebody is crying or sad that you cannot still feel joy or find joy with that person. Because you know, cries when he when he gave up um, his life for us there was still joy. Paul got much joy from just thinking about the churches. And in Thessalonica, he wrote, For you are our glory and joy. Thanksgiving, can we return to God for you? 
for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. And I was even surprised that there is a um, what we call what we call the the joy book, which is the book of Philippians. The church at Philippi might have been Paul's favorite church, and some calls the book of Philippians the, the, the joy of book, or the joy book. Sorry, as it is written. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one in mind. Joy and crown. You know, all these words. I felt sure for, of all you, of you, that my joy would be the joy of you all. And we, we would like to have that in our church. The Apostle John describes this feeling as having no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Paul prayed for the church at Rome, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What's the joy of the Lord? The book of Psalms have more references to joy than any other book in the Bible. And the psalmist wrote about joy, the same thing with, with Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a song, right? Yes. For all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. The, the psalmist wrote that God put more joy, please put more joy in my heart, more joy in my heart, please. And in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. Shouldn't you worship? We, I mean, we need to worship this overflowing with joy and make shout for joy over your salvation. Psalm 25. Because God's presence will make him glad with the joy of your presence. Joy of worship. I am just really appalled by other, sorry fellow Christians, criticizing the way we praise our Lord with our instruments and songs. Joy during worship music is, is actually biblical. In Psalm 27 says, Offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And to all the righteous and shout for joy all you are upright in heart. Indeed, again, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise be, you know, befits the upright. Psalm 33, 1. Again, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore. The psalmist didn't have just joy. He had exceeding joy in Psalm 43.4. And not just joy, but joy and gladness. Psalm 45.15. So why not shout to God with loud songs of joy? Psalm 47.1. For we have much be, to be much joyful about again. Shout for joy to God all the earth. 
Is there anything harmful about praising God with shouts of joy? Nothing. Imagine you sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And you have a, like a phony, you know, like, a, like a, the, the young, the, 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 the horse, right? The, I mean, it says joy to the world. But it's sad. Oh, we cannot play that song here because it's too loud. Acoustics is, doesn't accept it. So what? Let the song even destroy the building. This is just a building. I mean, we sing songs for God. We don't sing it for ourselves. Why constrain yourself with that one? You know, people say, well, you know what? My, my, uh, I'm out of tune. That's why I don't want to sing loud because he or she might not like it. And the eardrums might break. But you know what I believe in is that whether you're out of tune, in tune, no tune, whatever it is, the voices before it gets to heaven is filtered by God himself. That's what I believe too. Anybody can experience some form of joy. Joy can even be Really, this is a sad and bad thing. Arise from perver- perversions as horrifying as brutally murdering another person created in God's image. Some people are really having a joy of hurting other people. Really sad. They laugh at you when you know when you when you fall down or make a mistake. It's making them happy. It's like, it's like. But there's always a warning to that. The greatest joy of joy, however, are those that arise when we are so absorbed in some creative task that we are set free from self-concern. It is selfishness and self-centeredness that brings us sorrow, blunting the possibility of a joyful living. We can seek joy, but we cannot find true joy merely by seeking pleasurement excitement. Or pleasurable excitement. The best and longest sustained joy result from, from a self-forgetful activity. True joy can be sought, but it must be sought God's way. It must arise as a product of yielding wholeheartedly to the creative purpose of God. The master creator is working out, who's working out in our lives. Joy that is a fruit of God's Spirit has its roots in the realization of God's purpose and its outworking that transforms us into His image. Biblical joy begins when God calls, when we hear the gospel and understand and believe it. Again, biblical joy begins when God calls you, we hear the gospel, we understand the gospel, 
and we believe in the gospel. You remember this Isaiah 61 that Jesus read in the temple. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good, remember, good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Contrast. Joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is only the beginning of his ministry. In Romans, it says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Aren't you happy that we are now reconciled with God? Because of what Christ did on the cross? That's the greatest joy you can have in life. Not a new car. Well, it's good to have a new car. But it does not stop at that point. After a while, your new car, after driving with this weather and temperature, the new car, I'm pretty sure it's going to be look looking like, you know, if you put them all together with the old cars, they will look all the same because of the snow, the dust, the anything. Hearing and believing the gospel leads to repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation with God. Apostle Paul adds, And you became followers of us, of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah, again, and many others show that the yielding to God's purpose and being converted is the key to biblical joy, a fruit of God's Spirit. A son of God can suffer disappointment, persecution, and sorrow from the multitude of sources of, in his life, but the joy of the Lord in him will always lift him over them because his joy is greater than any negative circumstances that might occur. Biblical joy is firm in our relationship with Him. And our understanding of what is happening with our minds. Henceforth, our joys must arise from yielding to fulfill God's great creative purpose and seeing it accomplished. That is why we were born, because of this. We can look forward to hearing him say, 
I, I really would like this, even me, I would like to hear this, this one from our Lord. In Matthew 25, 21. What is that? Do you want to hear this? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And you know the last verse, or the last portion of the verse says, Enter into the joy of your Lord. How good can that be? Do you know that everywhere Jesus went, there was joy? Everywhere. Might not be for other people, but ever, everywhere. We too express our joy of our Lord in smiles, laughter, and shouts, and good cheer, and experience this joy through worship, praise, prayer, and songs, in witnessing, helping others, in fellowship and discipleship. And now I ask, what about our church? Who created smiles and laughter? Can you tell me? God. So why do we withhold that to be used? We always use the crying. We always use the whining. We always use the... Why not use the smiles and the laughter that God also created for us? You know, but sometimes... God is a comic playing to, the, to, to us that's afraid to laugh. Are you afraid of laughing? Um, in, the, in Reader's Digest, right? It's an old, uh, I don't know if you still know about Reader's Digest anyways. Are you still reading Reader's Digest around here? There's this portion that says, laughter is a good medicine. Okay, or I think that's how it is. And it's really something. You read that portion of that, uh, it's like a booklet, and you read and you smile after. Oh, no, no, laughter is the best medicine. I think that's what it is. And, and it's really funny in some articles. And you smile. And it's true. We know that God created Smiles and laughter. But sometimes, you know, again, we, we say this. We're so stressed by, for example, trying to live right, eat right, think right, act right, speak right, parent right, exercise right, look right, that we've forgotten the joy of Jesus. Friends, Christmas is a time of celebration, a part of the festive fun, and one of this is food. Our consumption, for example, of goodies, okay, we have lots of chocolate right now, we have many, many things that we can see and eat, leads to a few extra pounds and the resolution to start the new year with a diet. We always do this. We eat like, uh, I don't want to describe that animal, but we eat. 
And then we say, New Year's resolution, I'm on a diet. Three weeks after, failed. First of January to the 7th of January, goes to the gym, wow, you know, sweat it out. The 14th of January, forget about it. Back to the same old. There's nothing wrong with reducing excess holiday weight. But in our thin, like thin is in, you know, we were the Barbies and the Barbie dolls figure. Or six-pack is cool culture. Dieting has become a chronic obsession. This approach may have some health benefits for sure, but without exercise, nothing is going to happen. It is just slowly killing ourselves. Killing ourselves, and that is what we call stress. We stress of thinking, can, should we eat this? You know, in the store, people would buy, okay, look at the product. Read the thing, okay, uh, calories and uh, salt and protein. And they, we go through this one. I, I see a lot of people. I myself do that. We read so much. Uh, then now we go to McDonald's and say, okay, the Big Mac, <laughs> there's an equivalent calories of this much. Now it's required, right? In a restaurant, they need to put it there. So as for why? Why? Because it's a waiver. Say if you die today in front inside of McDonald's eating that much of fat, it's it's not us. It's already it's a warning. It's commercial. We're so stressed with that right now. Let us say we stand in front of a pastry shelves, okay, at the coffee shop and calculate the calories in your head. One plus one, you know, I'm eating, you know, and, and have to walk this much and run this much, and okay, and, and they're trying to to really grow and and to show, okay, will this show up my hips now? Um, we are actually doing more damage to our heart from the stress than if we simply ate the cookie and allowed ourselves to experience the joy of it, right? The truth of the matter is that when we can eat right, drink your bottled water, take your vitamins, get plenty of sleep, and still get, you can still be hit by a car or by a bus or a train anytime. There is no guarantee in life in a sense. The only guarantee you have is your relationship with God. That's where the joy is. Looking out the window at our tragically broken body will be a bunch of people who didn't think twice about eating that cookie. So, we should relax, enjoy the holiday season. God has created a wonderful world for us. And He wants us to experience joy, but the real biblical joy. The song goes how? The this, this song that we just sang. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. It's not stress to the world. The Lord has come. Did it say stress? No. It says joy. 
It is not the archangel burst into upon the shepherds and said, Fear not, for today I bring you tidings of great stress, which shall be to all people. Was that right? No. That's usually the way it works. When we are stressed, we bring our stress to all other people. Right? To your husband, to your wife, to your children, our rabbit, the pet. I, I, you know, I'm surprised the rabbit can be stressed also. I witnessed that with my kids. It's like he's really running around. It's, he don't know what's going on. Friends and co-workers. When we are stressed, we contaminate other people. But we are believers in Christ. Why do we have that stress? We should be actually uh, contaminating them with the joy that we have with the Lord. Not the stress that the world is giving us. Instead, the good news was saying, I bring you tidings of great joy that will be for all people. We're so stressed by trying to live right, eat right, think right, act right, speak right, parenting right, exercise right, look right, that we've forgotten again the joy of Jesus. Jesus came to this world as a babe in a manger. Jesus brought hope to the hopeless. The Prince of Peace brought peace to our hearts amid the turmoil of the world because we have this hope, because we have this peace. We can have great joy. We can rejoice because God's Son has come for us. As Jesus said himself, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. The laughter of Jesus is the laughter of hope, of peace, and of joy. Song goes, joy to the world. Found this one. Jesus owns you. I was trying to, you know, Google again, the most useful tool in the world right now. (laughs) Trying to look for acronyms and all those things. I tried hope before when I was, you know, and didn't work well. But this one is one of the most popular ones when you Google it. Joy. Jesus owns us. As it is said in in 1 Corinthians. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit, which which are God's. Since we are owned by God, by Christ, why do we contain our joy? Joy is a permanent possession, while happiness is short-lived. Joy stays. Happiness comes and goes. So why aren't you joyful, or aren't we joyful, if we are a child of God? We have very good reasons. The righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Psalm again, Psalm 68.3. And our worship song should be, tell of his deeds in songs of joy. I guess you have enough of the word joy today.
But my request, and actually God's request, is to spread that joy, no matter where our situation is today. I want to show again the pictures of the babies. Do we choose to be like this as a church? You see, the baby in the middle, she's pointing at somebody, right? So it's like, okay. Sometimes it happens in our church, we cry and then we point, oh, she's the one to blame. (laughs) Or do we have this? Big smiles. Or as an individual, do we choose to be like this? Or hopefully we come out of our church to be like this. When we see faces like this, we forget about about our troubles. Forget about anything that's going on. Imagine when Jesus Christ was born in a manger. Just imagine how does he look like as a baby. How beautiful he is. You know, the glare of a human God. The glare, the, you know, the, when, when Moses saw God, he was transformed, right? I could only imagine baby Jesus in a, in a, in a manger, smiling and And that's the joy that we should have. Not only this Christmas, not only in the New Year, but every day we should have that. I would like us to close in a prayer. Can we all stand, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we give, give, give you, give you thanks, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for giving us your joy and pray that we continue on holding this particular joy that's permanent in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. We continue holding on to this and not forget about your your sacrifice. You own us. And therefore we need to show that joy that is a biblical joy, a meaningful joy. Lord, if we have in any way like have doubts, please forgive us. Help us, Lord, to, to with, with ever, whatever situation we have now, to still hold on to that particular joy. And for those people that are here to, uh, this morning, Lord, to, have, to share that joy as well to each and every brothers and sisters and, 
in this congregation. If we feel somebody who's not having that particular joy, can we share that? Again, thank you for this day. May we be blessed by your words. And again, thank you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless.